Okay. So, uh, Dory talked a little bit about my background, but for those who don't know me, um, I've been a resident here in Hollister for, I don't know, uh, probably 18 years. Um, like Dory said, we've been coming here for 16 years. Um, my wife, Shauna, is here, and my son, Corey. We have an older daughter, Michaela, who lives in Boulder Creek. Um, and let's see, I am a police officer in the city of San Jose, um, and I just really love being here. Um, so that's a little bit about me, but um, maybe you'll learn some more as I go on. Um, Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You guys, that's who we are. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We are followers of his ways. We are his disciples. That's why I love being here so much is because I'm surrounded by the people that love me, and I'm surrounded by the people that I love. So it's really, really good to be here. Um, Brittany, you got it up. Good. Okay, so what is it we're talking about tonight, Dory? What was the topic? It's commitment. Oh, Lord, we better pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful, God, for this time together. God, I just ask that your presence just fall in this place. And God, I pray that whatever comes forth tonight just glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, look at that. Commitment. It's a tough subject, you guys. It's pretty heavy. So um, when you hear that word, just hearing that word might actually evoke some sort of a feeling inside of you, right? It's like if I say ice cream, it evokes a feeling of joy inside of you, maybe. Unless, of course, you're a cake person, but you shouldn't be. You should be ice cream person. But when you hear the word commitment, for some of us, it makes us uncomfortable. And why is that? It's because we associate it with work, with effort, and with taking up a lot of our time. It seems that many people these days have a hard time with commitment. Would you agree? There seems to be a lack of it in marriages, in fatherhood, in the workplace, and yes, even church. I want to tell you tonight that things of substance, that things that are worthwhile in this life, do not always come easy. They're usually difficult, and they require commitment. It's commitment that allows us to do that which is hard. To accomplish those things that we face that seem impossible and to hold on to the things that are really important to us. Commitment is what got men to the moon. Commitment is what made Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player of all time. Commitment allowed me Commitment allowed me to complete a marathon. It allowed me to have a long career. And it allowed me to enjoy an amazing marriage. 
Commitment is a key ingredient in meaningful relationships. And that's what I want to focus on tonight, is commitment in our relationships. So, August 18th, 2001, I made a commitment to Shauna. Oh, yeah, there's our wedding picture. I look good, don't I? <laughs> All right, so seriously, guys, um, I made a commitment to Shauna. I stood before our family, I stood before our friends, I stood before God, and I said my vows to Shauna. They went something like, I'll stay by your side for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health for better or for worse, until death do us part. I made a commitment to Shauna. Well, that commitment was tested. You see, back then, one thing that Shauna and I shared in common was that we both liked to drink a lot. We drank frequently too much. Um... And it was not the best time in our lives. So when I drank, it would make me comfortable because I have problems in social settings. I get anxious, and it makes me more comfortable to be around people. When Shauna drank, occasionally, or oftentimes, it had the, what I call, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde effect. It was like a light switch would go off, and she could become mean, and nasty, and ugly, incorrigible, jealous, angry. For no reason at all, she would accuse me of things. This happened a lot. And you could probably guess that after a while that might wear on somebody. And it did. It wore on me. And there were times when I thought, if this continues, I don't know how our relationship is going to last. But I was committed to her. I did not give up. I hung in there. Alcohol almost destroyed us, but I stayed faithful. Now, all this came to a head one night when I was at work. I was working the night shift, and I received a phone call from Shauna. I could tell that she had been drinking. She was yelling and screaming, and she was really upset about a fight that she had gotten into with, back then, our 13-year-old daughter, Michaela. She demanded that I come home. And, of course, our family was in crisis, so I raced home, left work early, came home. But by the time I got home, her nephew had picked her up and brought her to rehab. It was a time in my life when I felt like my marriage was falling apart. I felt like my family was falling apart. My life was falling apart. I remember clearly being in my room with tears streaming down my face and crying out to God, God, save my family. God, save my marriage. God, I need you right now in this moment. God honors commitment, and God honors prayers. 
Sean and I have been married for 18 years now. I love her more than ever. Our relationship is stronger than it's ever been. And we are 15 years sober. So I don't say all this to pat myself on the back. I say this to illustrate that serious relationships require commitment. At some point, you made a commitment. At some point, you said yes to Jesus. You entered into a relationship with him, a serious relationship, one that requires commitment. Let me ask you tonight, what is the state of that relationship right now? Just think about it. In meaningful relationships, it's important that both sides are committed to the other. You see, it doesn't work if Shauna's committed to me, but I'm not committed to her. That's a relationship that probably won't last. It probably won't work. Relationships, meaningful ones, need commitment from both sides. And you should know that God is committed to you. How do we know this? It says it over and over again in the Bible that he will not leave you, he will not forsake you, he will not abandon you. It says that his love is unfailing in Psalms 100, fifth verse. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He is committed to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is by God's grace that we are saved. He offered up his son to take on the punishment that we deserve. He suffered, he bled, he died, and he was buried for us so that we could be free. Is there any question of God's commitment to us? This is our assurance. We need to know this, and we need to know it not only here, but we need to know it deep down in here. Because if we don't know that God is committed to us, then how can we ever be committed to him? The question tonight is, are you truly committed to him? What is the state of your relationship with God at this time, at this moment? Are you still on fire like you were in the beginning of your relationship with him? Or are you in a desert place? Are you feeling dry? Are you empty? Are you just not feeling it? If that's you, it's okay. That's where commitment comes in. Commitment is not giving up when things get hard and when things get stale. You stay steadfast in your faith. And if that's you tonight, if you're in that dry place, that desert place, then all I can do is suggest that you press in. Ask for a refreshing of the Holy Spirit. He makes all things new. God honors our commitment to him. And we know that meaningful relationships, they require maintenance, just like a garden requires maintenance. In meaningful relationships, it requires that we spend time with one another. 
with God, how do we spend time with him? Well, I love the verse that says, be still and know that I am God. I love it because this world is so busy. There is so much noise. There is so much distraction. We need to unplug all those distractions and find a quiet place and just rest in God's presence and know that he is God. In meaningful relationships, it requires communications. You guys don't know me. Some of you do, but I'm a very quiet person, and at home I'm a quiet person, and Shauna loves it when I talk to her, when I open up to her. We need to open up with God in prayer. That's how we do that. We communicate with God in prayer. We give him praise through our prayers. We give him thanks for what he provides and what he blesses us with through our prayers. We can tell him the desires of our heart and we can tell him the pain in our heart. Meaningful relationships require knowing the other person more. Well, how do we know God more? Reading his word. He reveals himself through his word. He reveals his character to us through his word. He reveals his ways to us through his word. Meaningful relationships require submission. At times, Shauna submits to me, and at times, I submit to her. It's necessary in relationships. A heart surrendered to God demonstrates that you're committed to him. Is your heart surrendered right now? Does your life demonstrate a commitment to your faith? I don't really like this term, but are you walking the walk? When you walk outside these doors, are you the same person outside that you are in here? Do the people at your workplace, do they know that you're a Christian? Would your family say that you're a man or a woman of integrity? Do you repent when you recognize your sin? We screw up. I screwed up yesterday. I compromised my integrity. But where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Is your heart changed? Has anything happened since the day that you came into a relationship with Jesus? Is your heart changed? We can proclaim that we're Christians, but it means nothing if we're not interested in being more like him. God honors our commitment to him. In 1 Kings 8, 6, 61, King Solomon says, Let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments at this day. I like that verse because not only are we to be loyal or committed to him, but to his commandments and his statutes as well. In Proverbs 16.20, says, Blessed is the one who trusts. Trust in the Lord and you will be blessed. 
So why is this commitment so important? At this point, you're probably looking at me. Well, no duh, Captain Obvious. But what <laughs> the reason is, is because our faith will be tested. In the Bible, it says, and Jesus says it, that foxes have dens and birds will have nests, but the Son of God will have no place to lay his head. And what he means by that is this Christian life is going to be uncomfortable at times. Our faith will be tested. We are going to experience disappointments. We're going to experience trials. There's going to be times when we say, where are you, God? Commitment is important because we get tempted and we get pulled away by the world. We get pulled away by the things that are eternal, the kingdom. And we battle our own feelings. Our feelings, they ebb and they flow. Sometimes we do feel dry. Sometimes we are on fire. And that's why we need commitment in those dry times. We need to be able to separate our feelings from our faith. Despite these things, we do not give up. Ironically, while preparing for this message, in the last couple months, I seem to have everything coming against me. Our beloved dog, Jake, passed away. Um, I've been in an ongoing dispute with some people who built a shed in my backyard. I was the victim of check fraud for thousands of dollars. There was a uh, person that I knew at work who passed away. Um, she had a real fast battle with cancer, and um, she passed away. One night I was riding home from work on my motorcycle. I was stopped at the red light at 25 and 156. I was stopped. There was a guy that came up behind me in a car, and he had fallen asleep. And he rammed into the back of me, and it catapulted me off my motorcycle and into the roadway. My motorcycle was totaled, but thank God I was not. Despite these things, I don't give up. I stay committed. And because of that, I have a measure of peace and a measure of comfort. With all these things going on, it doesn't matter. God is with me. I love Romans 5, 3 through 4, and it says, We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Sometimes I test myself with this question. If all your possessions were taken from you tomorrow, would Jesus be enough? Ask yourself that question. I'm telling you, he is enough. He is our hope. To us, situations may seem impossible, but for God, nothing is impossible. All right, time to switch gears. We're going to talk about a familiar story in the Bible. It's Daniel chapter 3. Um, it's about three guys, and unfortunately, their names aren't Dave, Bob, and Jim. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, so as the story goes, King Nebuchadnezzar is ruling over Babylon. 
And he sets up this great, huge gold image that's like 90 feet tall. And he gives the order. When everybody hears the music play, they will fall down on their face and they will worship the idol. If they do not, they will be thrown into this fiery furnace to meet their fate. Well, when the music played, picture it, thousands of people, a sea of people, prostrate before this golden image, worshiping it, and then our three heroes standing there awkwardly because they're committed to their one true God. How much pressure do you think they felt by all of those people, the culture around them, by the king, the authority that was over them? It must have been intense. Of course, there were the tattletales, the Chaldeans, who says, These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. The king said, Bring them to me. So they did. And he says, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, then good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now this is where commitment comes in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. What do you think King Nebuchadnezzar did? He was infuriated by this. So he had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace. And as he sat there, he watched in astonishment, he said, Look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. So King Nebuchadnezzar had them brought out of the furnace. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair on their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And even the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, catch this. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. How awesome is that? The pressure they had from the culture around them, from the authority over them. Tonight I want to tell you that God honors our commitment to one another. 
Some of my observations of that story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are these. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were committed in their faith together. At Hillside, we worship together. We encourage each other. We learn together and we grow together. We are a community of believers. We do life together. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood their ground together against the influences of this world. Together, us at Hillside, we stand together against the influences of the world outside, the culture around us. Together, we remain in the truth. There is strength in numbers to resist pressure and temptations from the culture, from the world around us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the fire together. At Hillside, you are not alone in the fire. Your trial, you are not alone in it. And take note, King Nebuchadnezzar saw a fourth person in that fire. Not only do you have the people here at Hillside that back you up, but you have Jesus Christ to back you up. And what's interesting is that their commitment to their faith affected King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, he said, Blessed is the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And here at Hillside, through faith and love, we affect the people around us. People see our faith in God. They see our love for one another. And they want to be part of that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted together. God honors our commitment to one another, and he blesses us. One way that we demonstrate our love for God is how we love one another. Being a committed Christian means becoming a servant to others. Being a committed Christian serves others collectively, meaning the church, and we see today that some people go into church on Sundays and they're consumers. They want to see what they can get out of it. But we who are truly committed to church, we should be asking, how can I serve? Where can I give? Here I am, God. Take me. I am committed. A committed Christian serves others individually being there for one another, not just on Sundays. We do life together all week long, 365 days a year. We encourage each other. We lift each other up through our struggles, through the good times and the bad times. We serve others by tangibly meeting one another's needs. Debbie, do you need your house painted? Corey will be happy to do it. <laughs> look to your right and look to your left. Look behind you and in front of you. These are the people that have your back. These are the people that love you. These are the people that are there for you. By doing these things, we create community. Jesus said, 
a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That is commitment. Tonight, I'm challenging you to commit to one another and to the church on an even greater level. I want to see God move in this place even more. And if God is love, I want to see love move in this place. Tonight, we're here at a place that we call Thrive, where relationships flourish. We know that God honors our commitment to him, and we know that God honors our commitment to one another. It's summed up in the greatest of commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You guys, as we commit to these things, we will be a thriving community of believers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and we just thank you for this day. Oh God, we thank you for each person here. God, we thank you that your presence is with us right now. And Father, we just pray that we can commit our lives to you. We know that you honor that. God, we pray that we can commit even more to our church and to uh, our church members, God, to our to each other, Father. We just pray that we can be there for one another, God, and create community. And God, we know that you love that. Father, we just give you all praise, all glory, all honor. In Jesus' name, amen.